The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, here's Dr. G. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters. I'm Cheryl G., and I'll be your host for the hour. With us today, we have Dr. Charlotte Houston, who's a consulting psychologist, and Charlotte will share a little bit more about herself in just a moment. And we also have with us uh, Jordan Goldrich, who's a partner with Custom Matrix. Welcome to both of you. Hi, Cheryl. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, good afternoon. You know, uh, our topic for today is managing conflict in the workplace. And before we jump into that, Charlotte and uh, Jordan, I'm going to ask both of you, maybe starting with... um, Hmm... I can't remember if I said Charlotte or Jordan. Jordan, actually, I'm going to start with you, Jordan, um, with regards to just sharing a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, thank you, Cheryl. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess if I'm going to be talking about uh, conflict in the workplace, I probably should say that my greatest uh, credentials for dealing with conflict have to do with growing up in New York in a uh, city housing project in a loud <laughs> family. Okay. Um, I could I could imagine a little conflict there. Sure, and and actually, what it really is all about is when I get around angry, cantankerous people, I feel loved. I'm not sure what that's all about, but that's how it is. But um, I am the former vice president of operations of a healthcare company here in town, San Diego, where we grew from seven employees to 65 and sold the company to Blue Cross of California, which then became WellPoint Health Networks. And I also uh, am a licensed therapist, and I do a whole lot of work as an executive coach. So that's sort of sort of the background. Fabulous. Thank you, Jordan. And Charlotte, would you share a little bit about yourself? Well, I think, as, as you both know, um, life experience is, is so cumulative, and I think I've, uh, I've honed my conflict awareness and skills over a period of time, but Starting out in an early position as chief psychologist, I was thrust into a management role with not a whole lot of experience, and uh, I was supervising five male psychologists who then were (laughs) supervising their own staffs of um, service workers, healthcare workers, and uh, with cottages of youth that were residents of this institution. So there were the layers of potential conflict in that situation that uh, I think I got a big dose of at a very early age. Since then, um, I've worked a variety of situations that weren't so much uh, public sector institutions, but rather project work uh, in a private sector role. And so 
interfacing with various individuals over time has certainly given me greater awareness of how conflict develops. Um, Gladly, I haven't had a whole lot of personal experience, but through clients that I've worked with over many years, I see how how conflict can really uh, wreak havoc in a variety of situations. Okay. Good. Well, I'm going to, um, you know, probably start with the basics because people think of the term conflict, they think of a lot of different things. So maybe I'll ask each of you, just give us your own definition of what conflict is and maybe include in part of that how conflict can be helpful or challenging in the workplace. Jordan, why don't we go back and start with you? All righty. <clears throat> I, think, I think at its most basic level, Conflict is about a situation where people believe that what it is that they want is not compatible with what the other person wants. And I say believe because sometimes it turns out that it is compatible. It just seems like it's, it's not compatible. Um, one of the advantages, of, well, the main advantage of conflict is that uh, it usually comes from different perspectives and different beliefs about how things should be done or would be most effective to be done. And there can be uh, just a tremendous benefit to a business team or an organizational team when that kind of discussion and disagreement is welcomed. You get other perspectives on the table. You get to think things through. And so um, it becomes a real benefit that not everybody has to think the same way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. Charlotte, anything you want to add to that perspective on definition of conflict and how it can be helpful or challenging in the workplace? Well, I wholeheartedly agree that they're the two sides of of conflict, and we hope to be on the right side of the coin, generating benefits all the time. However, I think it's a lot more complex than sometimes we realize in that there's a whole host of variables that occur within a person, uh, what they bring to the table, if you will, and then there's what happens between two people, or, or sometimes it might occur between teams or business units, and then you have all of that wrapped within the situation. You know, some situations really um, are lower stakes, other situations are, are potentially high stakes and, and, and have a lot of volatility and emotion attached. So my point here is that it's, it's pretty complex um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at times. Yeah, you know, I um, love the definition of conflict from the um, Conflict Dynamics Profile. What is that, Eckert's uh, College? I think you guys are probably both uh, familiar with it from the work we do at the Center for Creative Leadership. Mm-hmm. Yes. The, um, I think they define conflict as any situation in which people have incompatible perspectives, interests, goals, principles, or feelings. And I think that definition really, for me, was like, yeah, because you can have um, conflict on just so many different levels, and it can be something as simple as just energy not being in alignment and feelings, as well as to, you know, perspectives or what Jordan said in the beginning, what someone needs may feel like, gosh, you're going to block me from getting my need met. So, so I think we'll talk about conflict on any of those different levels. Wow, we're here in San Diego, and this rain is pouring. Can you guys see the rain just coming down? Yes. Yes. It's like, really Wow. So I'm glad to be inside and not outside at this very moment. <laughs> so um, anyway, um, kind of like transitioning um, in that 
in that thinking around conflict, can either of you maybe think of a situation, an example, uh, come to mind where you have experienced uh, conflict in the workplace um, to yield some positive outcomes or negative outcomes, just to kind of get a basic grounding in this topic? So, Cheryl, would you like to go? I mean, uh, Charlotte, would you like to go? Well, what comes to mind first about positive outcomes is when you have a team situation or, and and most commonly there are team situations in the workplace, uh, whether they be more formal or or informal, uh, you're trying to coalesce into some good results uh, and, and become productive together. So when there is a a diverse thinking team, we have benefits generally in the outcome because you have a variety of perspectives that are on the table most times. And so a team leader can experience a lot of desirability around that very issue. In fact, team leaders often will comprise a team based on polar opposite uh, styles of thinking Mm -hmm. or complementary styles of thinking. And and I could see that being helpful with regards to the diverse thinking that leads to enriched problem solving. And I think also that diversity can also be a challenge when perspectives are so different if those perspectives aren't um, respected. And if that difference, if I hear or experience the difference to be an annoyance, that you don't see my see it my way, I, you know. So I'm hearing um, I'm hearing the piece from you, Charlotte, with regards to saying that, gosh, the diversity of thinking of perspective is really what creates an enriching experience uh, when we create space for that diversity to be shared. And I'm thinking more on the other side of that coin is if we don't create that space and I can't share it, then maybe I feel frustrated. Or I share it and it doesn't resonate with others and um, it somehow is um, not respected or heard, then that may create some conflict too. Um, just my thoughts. I mean, any thoughts in relation to or in response to my saying that? Yes. Well, I'd just add, if I might, that uh, the team leader or organization, as it might be, can really benefit from being uh, proactive or um, preventative with respect to conflict by setting up what would be considered conflict competency or norming around expectations about how conflict should be handled. And how would they go about doing that, Charlotte? Say a little bit more. Well, I think there are a variety of ways, but one might be on the organizational level to set forward in its mission statements something that really provokes thinking about common goals and uh, tolerance. And then uh, further definition around values might give a rallying point when they're divorced, excuse me, diverse points of view. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. So, so really um, not expecting people to perhaps walk in the door with the competency to just naturally do this as much as to really consciously set up some norms that um, that honor people bringing these various um, differences to the table and um, keeping in mind, I think I heard you say, the, the shared goal. And maybe a more basic word is expectations, making okay. expectations clear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jordan, anything you'd add? Well, I, I think you both said it 
very well. I, 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 just to say it in a slightly different way, I think it has to be okay to disagree, and I think it has to be okay to uh, show some emotion, not a whole lot of emotion. And in my experience working with executive teams, um, often there are some blind spots about what's, what is it okay and what is it not okay to say. So the more, um, it's, the more that, it, that the leader encourages people to say unpopular things and to voice unpopular opinions, the more likely the team is to figure out that, hey, we're going down the wrong direction. Uh, on the other hand, um, Again, having grown up as I did, my, my um, uh, challenge has always been to tone it down and, and not be so uh, vocal about everything that I might agree with or disagree with. So I think people have to, those folks who are uncomfortable with direct confrontation or with rising emotion in a discussion, probably to be functional at the top levels of organizations or even in the middle, need to get more comfortable, and those of us who are very comfortable with it need to calm down a bit. Mm-hmm. So kind of like that emotional regulation piece that goes along with being able to cognitively express oneself is what I'm hearing. Yes. Um, you kind of underline there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, and we know that those personality variances can, can be considerable. Mm-hmm. You know, so the adjustments that are required are... Um, non-ending, really. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there are many, many shifts that individuals make all the time in the mm-hmm. way that uh, Jordan just described. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So really uh, being in tune with that piece also with regards, I think Jordan's expressing a lot of awareness regarding where his um, expression of emotions is in relation to perhaps someone else's. Um, and so kind of being able to self-manage that piece, um, if you would. Exactly. Okay. Yes, and I think that links in nicely with what I was saying earlier about... You know what, Charlotte, I'm going to put a little comma in there and um, have us go for a short break. Sure. And then when we get back, we're going to start off with your comments. I'm going to ask uh, you and Jordan to stay on the line, and we will be right back um, with more on Leadership Matters. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email drg at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Are you ready to grow your business? Listen for the Independent Business Owner Show with your coach, Rick Carrado. This entertaining talk radio program will bring you the tools to help increase your business. You'll learn sales success, time management, lead generation, business development, life balance, and much more. Rick Carrado is here to help you take your business to the next level. Listen for the Independent Business Owner Show, heard live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. 
comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. We're back with more on Leadership Matters. With us today... Our guest stars Charlotte Houston, Dr. Charlotte Houston, who is a consultant psychologist based here in San Diego, California. Welcome back, Charlotte. Thank you. And then also with us is Jordan Goldrich, and Jordan is a partner at Custom Matrix, which is also based here in San Diego, California. Welcome back, Jordan. Thank you. And we're both, and I should say all, just happy to be on the phone out of the rain, (laughs) which is like it's it's, uh, stopped for a little while. So we were talking uh, today about managing conflict in the workplace. And, Charlotte, before we went to break, you had some thoughts that you were about to share. Let me just kind of pick back up there. Well, I think we were talking about how personality elements have to be adjusted for the sake of um, generating the best results. Just to extend on, on that point a little bit, sort of on a preventative, proactive side of uh, setting expectations, one um, might need to educate team members about his or her preferences or style mm-hmm. idiosyncrasies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so ha- that would mean asking uh, good questions, giving relevant points, or just helping others know you in a predictable style or pattern mm-hmm. can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Because with that increased self-awareness, then I can better self-manage, but I can also anticipate where others are coming from. Is that what we're thinking? Yes. Okay, great. Charlotte, what would be some other common behaviors or situations that might lead to conflict in the workplace and any thoughts regarding um, how it might be managed effectively or how to constructively respond um, to conflict? Well, in my mind, uh, the most overarching uh, behavior would be along the lines of what you mentioned earlier about, uh, you mentioned emotional regulation, but I'm thinking about selective comments, somehow pacing uh, your comments and your reactions so that you're able to take the perspective of the other person and not um, simply react Mm -hmm. quickly in sort of a trigger, rapid-fire manner. And then uh, another idea as far as constructive responses to conflict would be to more objectively make it clear that you are interested in a solution. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes a question inserted might help advance the other person to coming to your, joining you to reach Mm -hmm. a solution. And uh, in other cases, you might have to really um, do a lot of probing and uh, exchange and difficult assertive communication in order to reach a solution. Expressing emotions also needs to be regulated uh, so that you are giving the most assertive response most often. 
Okay. Uh, emotions sometimes can be helpful when they are in a more raw, spontaneous kind of expression. But in most business settings, I think uh, having a certain amount of care and caution and regulation is good. Mm-hmm. I love that, Carol. Care, caution, and regulation. One express emotions, and I think that that's one of the things that um, some of the work with um, profile, uh, what's it called? Com- oh, I want to say conflict dynamics profile that they've done. They've really um, it, politely expressing emotions is one of the ways to constructively respond to and deal with um, conflict, and that it puts it out there where a person is. And um, I love your framing around. Um, making sure that it's done in a way that expresses care and caution um, and probably one might say respect. Yes, mm-hmm. respect is a, a good word. Mm-hmm. Okay, fabulous. Uh, any other thoughts, Charlotte, come to mind with regards to the the whole um, common situations or suggestions for responding or managing conflict effectively? Well, I think, too, when uh, there is a conflict at hand uh, and two individuals are, in a sense, locking horns uh, with their relative positions, then in order to break the stalemate, very often one person will need to consciously reach out with a gesture. Mm -hmm. And uh, that can break the ice or break break the stall so to speak, Mm -hmm. in uh, getting things moving forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So be the one to reach out first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. Fabulous. Jordan, why don't we have you jump in? Any thoughts come to mind on this? Well, just to take a slightly different perspective, um, we both Charlotte and I have been talking about managing conflict on an individual level and regulating feelings and taking that second to pause and listen to the other person. And... um, This may sound contradictory, but my experience is that um, most conflict is really a reflection of organizational issues rather than individual issues. And so let me first frame what I'm going to say by saying that there are no perfect organizations and there are certainly no perfect leaders. And uh, looking back on my life as an operations officer, I, I... thoroughly know that I caused conflict at times. But let me say that I think most conflict that isn't managed well is either a result of uh, a business where the the systems for doing work are not functioning well, or they may even be part of a blind spot of the leaders, that the leaders are encouraging certain kind of behavior or permitting certain kind of behavior or demonstrating certain behavior that has unintended consequences. That, that I love that, Jordan. I want to underscore that. Okay. So I didn't mean to mess up your thought, though. Go on. <laughs> well, <laughs> that, that was sort of it. I, I guess the example would be, you know, one of the examples would be the leader who says, I have an open door, come and tell me, and then gets angry every time he or she hears something that, that they don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. And so the message gets out pretty quickly that you don't disagree with the leader. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so the leader may espouse let's have open, honest conversation, and then actually um, either embarrass or even punish people mm-hmm. um, if, they, if they speak up certain things that, are, are, that he or she doesn't want to hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I, would, I would think that, well, I do think, and it's been my experience because I do a lot of conflict resolution, that almost always when there's conflict going on, 
there is a manager involved who um, is either not addressing what needs to be addressed or in some way encouraging it. Mm-hmm. I love that, and I think that from a leadership perspective, um, looking at managing conflict in the workplace and ensuring that business systems um, are not driving the conflict that one's seeing, that roles are clear, that responsibilities are clear, that resources are clearly, clearly delineated, um, that people have good um, for lack of a better word, control, can exercise authority over the things that they've been made responsible for. I think all that is a real important piece that sometimes gets missed where leaders within organizations might be saying, you guys resolve it, get this conflict taken care of, and yet systems that they have in place that they haven't taken care of is really feeding the conflict. So I think that's a great point. And, um, and looking at it from a systematic perspective and from a systems and process perspective and from what you said, the leader's blind spots perspective can be huge with regards to creating a critical breakthrough and resolving conflict within an organization. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. Um, Charlotte, any I, thoughts from you on that? Well, yes, I would uh, echo that thinking and um you know, it's the individual concerns parlaying over into the systemic concerns mm-hmm. and um, expectations around input is often, um, are often violated uh, or there's double speak or mixed messages around uh, those communications. Mm-hmm. And also, um, if you have well-functioning teams and units and individuals feel ownership in that process, then conflict is more readily resolved. Say that one more time, Charlotte. When, when there's input and there's mm-hmm. ownership and teams are well-functioning across business units, okay. and conflict is more readily resolved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would see that as a more um, conflict-competent situation. Right. Absolutely. So from a managerial perspective, it's kind of making sure that the, um, again, that there's clarity um, with those um, teams and roles and responsibilities and resources and, and so on and so forth, and that those things aren't systematically driving conflict. Of course, I get excited about that as a cultural psychologist because I think we're always looking at how does the system, how does the culture impact the thoughts and behavior, which would include conflict of uh, people within a system. And so um, I think that so often is missed and we drive to an important piece, which is the interpersonal piece, but there's also can be the systemic piece that's driving the conflict as well. And I guess some of the the concepts to underscore in that regard would be cultural norms around competition and empowerment Mm -hmm. as examples or cases in point. Yeah. Say a little bit more about that, cultural norms around competition and what was the, uh, oh, around empowerment. Well, if uh, competition is handled well in the system, then you don't have the backbiting or um, negative ways of advancing uh, one's self uh, in lieu of seeing the team successful. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Likewise, empowerment comes into play when, when credit is not shared mm. and uh, duties and responsibilities are unevenly 
dispersed, and mm-hmm. individuals don't have buy-in. They comply, which is a minimum level of cooperation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or involvement. Mm. Right. So the extent to which we have have um, positively engaged and enrolled, one might say, others into whatever's going on can either um, increase or decrease, one might say, conflict as well. Yes, and those things are often systemically rooted. Mm-hmm. Love it. Good. Uh, Jordan, any additional thoughts on that from yourself? Yeah, just building. Um, I, I think another factor comes in when people don't have the when there isn't a cultural expectation or there isn't an expectation in the in the organization that employees treat each other as customers. Okay. So I'm going to have you to um, really hold that thought. I want to start back with that with regards to that cultural expectation that employees treat each other as customers. As we um, come back to our next segment, we're going to take a quick break and then be back with more on Leadership Matters. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Get ready for an exciting and eye-opening hour every week on Globe Talk with Avisant. Join your host, Kevin Parikh, for an inside look at the world economy with a special focus on technology and its impact on humankind. We will invite the top industry experts to our forum and answer your questions, too. Globe Talk with Avisant airs live every Friday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email G at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa provides homeowners and investors eager to invest well in real estate the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus will be the paradigm. Live where you want. Invest where it makes the most sense. Listen live to the brightest minds in real estate investment every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa, where America learns to invest. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. 
We're back with more on Leadership Matters. Today we're talking about managing conflict in the workplace. And with us, we have Dr. Charlotte Houston, a consulting psychologist based in San Diego, California, and Jordan Goldrich. And Jordan is the uh, is one of the principals with Custom Matrix, also based here in San Diego. Jordan, before we went to break, you were talking about one of the ways that organizations can help to uh, set up a system that minimizes, the, one might say, the harmful impacts and maximizes the benefits, one might say, of conflict. It's setting up a culture of expectation where employees treat each other as customers. Want to say a little bit more about that? Yeah, and, and I think just to, to give the bigger picture of that, it, it really goes back to what we're now calling lean manufacturing or uh, total quality management or total quality improvement. And it's, the idea is that there is a chain of customers starting from the external customer in, mm-hmm. and uh, that that is the most important flow. So whoever is the last person who deals, who, who, th- whoever is the person who talks to or interacts with the external customer is the customer of the person behind him or her in the chain. And so, so, so organizations need to do the work to, to design or uh, flow chart what the chain of customers is for a particular service or a particular product so that when they're interacting with people in other departments or other divisions, everybody knows who's the customer. Whoever is closest to the client is the customer. And what happens is since, we, since everybody in that, that chain reports to a different manager, sometimes they get caught up in their own silo and not on focusing the customer. So this, we could probably talk about this for a whole hour or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the basic principle is knowing who the customer is. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Fabulous. Love that concept as well. Jordan, I know that there's a niche in conflict that you do a lot of your work around. Let's talk a little bit about that niche. Why don't you explain it, and then let's share a little bit about it. Okay. Thank you, Cheryl. Um, mm-hmm. The niche is really helping managers resolve conflict between valuable employees who, who have been involved in an ongoing conflict. And um, typically, I might get called in by an organization uh, with the hope that, uh, that we can straighten this out because both employees are valuable. And it's been my experience that every time that I have been called in, some of the behaviors that have been going on are behaviors that are somewhere between not valuable to way outside the bounds of, of what should be appropriate within the organization. And almost always, the manager has been avoiding dealing with that for a real long time. So typically, what I would do is I meet with the manager, and we address putting out some expectations and letting people know um, how, they, um, how, we, how they need to be behaving going forward. And then meeting with the individuals, and there's, uh, there's a model that I've got from a very good colleague of mine named Doug Walker, who wrote a very good book called AHA Performance, um, in which he outlines this. I basically ask five questions, and if I get the right answer to my five questions, there's a good chance I'm going to be helpful. And if I don't get the answer, the right answer, there's a good chance I'm not. And those questions are, the first two are really the important ones. The first one is, do you, in fact, want to improve this conflict? And sometimes you get in there and people, it's been going on so long that they just don't even want to look at the other person and they're not 
there really isn't even an opening to make it better. And the second question is, whose behavior do you control? So if you think back to conflicts that you've been around, usually both parties have a lot of story around what the other person is doing and how that's horrible, and therefore they shouldn't have to look at their own behavior. And the reality is um, the only behavior that you control is your own behavior. So even when you're in a horrible situation, uh, uh, still focusing on what other people have to change in order for it to get better is the pathway to victimization and failure. So if we get by those two questions, and, and there's lots of conversation around the whose behavior do you control, the other three questions are what's going well, what needs to be improved, and what are you willing to do to improve it? And so it really goes back to conflict is ultimately resolvable, and I think uh, that Charlotte mentioned this earlier on, when people have an intention to solve it and, and really want to uh, manage their own expectations and their own internal conversations such that... Um, that they will do what it is necessary to make it better. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. Great. Um, loved each piece of that. I mean, I think there's some valuable uh, pieces in having some structure around how one might enter and navigate through the conflict process. Charlotte, anything you would add to what Jordan's just communicated? Just, I, I like what Jordan has just described and to uh, illuminate uh, what I was also thinking is that when we talk about uh, models and, and principles of conflict resolution, we tend to drift toward the common um, situations and themes and then sort of the modal set of problems in organizations with uh, teams and individuals. And then on the tail ends, you have these more volatile, uh, stubborn, problematic, uh, severe kinds of conflict issues like the ones Jordan has called in to help resolve. And uh, those can be awfully uh, stubborn, but I think for organizations and teams to identify them uh, with timeliness and bring in a mediator, Mm -hmm. uh, as Jordan is, Mm -hmm. really is an important um, detection function. Mm-hmm. And then once Jordan is um, working in the situation, um, as he described, he's really working to help the individual look at secondary gain issues and then have a sense of reinstated control through decisions that they can make about themselves. So he's getting to the core of the conflict. Mm-hmm. And I like that conceptualization very much. Yes, I do too. I think that that is, I think that's where the traction comes with regards to gaining ground and getting resolution is being willing to have a person step up with a commitment of saying, you know, I'm here to commit to um, some improvement in this area because that's really what's going to make a difference. And I like Jordan's engagement of the supervisor and the leader with regards to saying, what are you allowing to happen here that really shouldn't even be happening? Are there some ground rules to even begin this conversation that we need to um, establish with regards to going forward? And so I, the, um, the whole leader 
responsibility and participants' responsibility, I think, can be very helpful. One of the things I think, Charlotte, you mentioned earlier today also, or maybe, Jordan, I'm not sure, but that whole space of breaking through stalemate, I think one of the techniques that I have um, found that when a conversation is happening and you get to a space of stalemate, to really get agreement on a process versus the content can keep the um, progress moving in the direction of resolution. Um, So it may be that we have uh, individuals that come together and there's some initial dialogue, and in the initial dialogue it may be simply about the process. It's about do you want to get this resolved? All right, what are you willing to do? How, what, how much time are we willing to invest? And maybe I'm really getting agreement around how we're going to go about resolving the conflict versus the content of the conflict initially. Because I think sometimes conversations begin with the content and then we don't have enough to ground us in a process to move us through the conflict. Does that make sense to either of you? Absolutely. Yes, it does. And I would simply add that in doing so, you're actually helping them, especially with a long history of conflict in some cases, mm-hmm. um, when a situation has persisted over a long period, you're helping the individual reframe the idea that a solution is indeed possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because we're at least getting some um, early positive wins and some things that we can agree on. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and just adding to that, part of what helps with that is is figuring out who is the customer in this transaction, meaning who's closest to the external customer. Mm-hmm. And also remembering that you're part of a team and that if some other somebody else in the links of the chain to serve the external customer is is having difficulty with decisions that you're making and it makes it difficult for them to serve that external customer, then because the primary goal is to serve the external customer, they have to let go of some of their uh, in you know their own preferences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. Any um, any thoughts uh, that you might add with regards to how to do that? Uh, you're asking me. Mm-hmm. Or either of you. Yeah. Um, sure. I, I think there has to be. I, I think. It goes back to how do you uh, establish the cultural expectation. I think, on especially on cross-functional teams uh, that are trying to solve uh, what I like to call solution-resistant problems, uh, there needs to be some focus and discussion about what is it that we're providing the external customer and what gets in the way, and you know, actually talking about when we have to decide what we're going to do. Um, and we have to buy in, the primary goal or the, the, the primary directive is that you have to be voting for or against something because it's serving that external customer as, as opposed to getting involved in your own needs. Mm-hmm. And that means that all of the different managers above the team have to be talking as well. Mm-hmm. Good. You know, and it's funny, I'm, I, um, that little phrase, solution-resistant problems, um, is a nice reframe from, Solution-resistant people. Yes. <laughs> and it's always about kind of helping to step back and have a space of objectivity yeah. uh, with regards to navigating. That's great. Well, it looks like we're about to uh, transition to a commercial break. 
And so I'm going to ask both of you to just stay with us and kind of prepare to come back and give us some of your final thoughts and tips with regards to how leaders can go about um, effectively resolving, managing, and leveraging conflict in the workplace. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network zoom leadership it's the big picture issues of the day up close and personal capabilities of leadership and a desirable future of constant renewal zoom leadership it's the economic crisis made clear patterns and perspectives of leadership and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future join host john schmidt every monday at 2 p.m eastern time 11 a.m pacific time zoom leadership an inside look at what's really going on in business government and civil society tune in every week on the voice america business channel When you are trying to establish your financial plan, there are all sorts of variables that you'll need to take into consideration, from the ever-changing economy and markets to investment risk and your own financial needs. How do you manage all of it to find a plan that will work for you? Tune in to The Insightful Investor with Bob Pugh. We'll help you iron it all out to help you stick to a financial plan with the knowledge that you need. The Insightful Investor is broadcast live Mondays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email drg at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. We're back with more on Leadership Matters. Today we're talking about managing conflict in the workplace, and with us is Dr. Charlotte Houston, consulting psychologist based in San Diego, California, and Jordan Goldrich, a partner with Custom Matrix. Thank you both for being with us today. Great. Thank you, Cheryl. Yes. Thank you. As, my pleasure. Yeah. So as we begin to kind of wind down our conversation, which I've thoroughly enjoyed, I'm going to ask you both just to maybe share some of your final thoughts, maybe lessons learned or tips or summaries from today as it relates to what leaders can take away um, and really feel like they got some food for thought regarding effectively resolving, managing, or leveraging conflict in the workplace. And, Charter, why don't we begin with you, and then we'll ask Jordan, we'll ask you to jump in. Okay. Certainly. I think uh, because we're dealing with such a complex set of uh, potential conflict problems, 
generally speaking. I think it helps to uh, simplify. So to think in terms of structure and objectivity, which comes from having an organization instruct and set norms and expectations around basic constructive conflict responses is a really good uh, anchoring approach. But there's not a perfect organization, and there are people and all kinds of experiences and objectives and motivations involved. So you always have complexity, and flexibility then has to be within that, that structure so that you set up a process where you're allowing for the space for an individual to consider and make adjustments to perhaps um, think of ways to inform about expectations, consider the ways that values are, are clashing or problematic. Uh, as Jordan pointed out, who the customer is, it's a, it's a realignment of what's important uh, for the success. And um, I think in that, being able to make some very personal um, clarifying decisions about uh, where a person wants to um, settle in a position. And then we have the prospect of real change moving forward. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you, Charlotte. And how about yourself, Jordan? Just final thoughts. Final thoughts, just kind of a different perspective on it or a different way of saying it. I, I, I think that almost all organizations, as Cheryl just said, um, are imperfect and all leaders are imperfect. And when people are in imperfect systems, it brings out the worst in them for the most part. And so what happens is that the person or people who are most susceptible to behaving badly uh, tend to start behaving badly. And then everybody else looks at them and says, if only so-and-so weren't here, then it would be better. And then we get somebody, we get rid of so-and-so, and somebody else takes over the if only so-and-so wasn't here role. And I, I think what leaders can do when they're seeing that kind of thing happen is to have somebody outside the system, that could be a coach or it could be just somebody that they trust or whatever, who whose job is to say, Let's take a look at what you, you might be doing to unintentionally create this or how you might be. A, what, where do you have your power? Where, do you, where, what, where are the opportunities for you? Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah, and, and I love this whole focus with regards to the um, – Jordan, you brought it up, and Charlotte, you've kind of echoed it, and we've all kind of echoed it, just the, the leaders – taking responsibility for what's been established as relates to the cultural norms around conflict, really looking at the systems that they have in place, really looking at the structures they have in place, really looking at how clear they've been regarding roles and responsibilities. Are they driving conflict based on not being clear in any of those or having overlap that doesn't make sense in any of those or having resources allotted in a way that drives and creates conflict? I think all that's great with regards to really helping leaders look at conflict from a systems perspective and then accepting the responsibility of regulating one's emotions, I thought was a wonderful um, discussion and how important that is to kind of be in touch with, you know, do I need to express more? Do I need to be less expressive Um, in a way that gets my message across so people understand how I'm feeling about it and at the same time I'm not losing 
what I'm trying to cognitively deliver as a thought. Um, I think it's um, really great. And I loved, Charlotte, you're starting out with the whole creating space to hear from others and to grow from others and to grow from the diversity of the perspectives by, uh, as the leader, accepting responsibility to kind of do some of that facilitation to make sure that the culture and the way in which the norms are out, how people are engaging kind of allows that to happen. Jordan, or Charlotte, I'm not sure who brought up the norms around competition and empowerment. Charlotte, I believe that was you. Yes. Uh, another, I think, just um, wonderful pearl because I think we do grow up in a society where competition is certainly a natural um, dynamic, and it's how do you create a healthy competition versus a destructive competition within an organization, and how do we have people who are empowered to take on what makes sense and um, and to drive where they need to drive in a way that's not overpowering others, but it's exercising responsibility to execute in ways in which they need to execute to get results. So I think all of those are just uh, wonderful pearls that each of you brought to our conversation today. So thank you for that. You're well, thank welcome. you. Thank you for the opportunity. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, Charlotte and Jordan both, I think some concrete things from Conflict Dynamics Profile that they've uh, brought up with regards to constructively responding to conflict. I think the things that come to mind for me are the perspective-taking, like being willing to hear others' perspectives in the midst of conflict, really stepping into that space of um, creating solutions and looking at conflict as an opportunity to figure out what might help things work better. Jordan, I'm going to always hold on to this um, solution-resistant problems versus solution-resistant people. (laughs) But in those situations, trying to create um, and stimulate um, some creative solutions. Charlotte, you brought out the reaching out, and um, I think that was one of the things that the um, creators of that profile on on, uh, Conflicts Dynamics really talked about, being willing to reach out. Yes. Um, I think some other things weren't as active, on some of the strategies that they give, but I think it's worth us thinking about, and that is delaying responding. Sometimes people might need to really take some time in the midst of conflict to just um, step back. Um, Maybe in the moment I can't self-regulate, so I just need to delay. I may know exactly what it is I want to say, but I can't say it in a way that's going to be heard, so I might need to delay responding. Another just concrete technique for for dealing with conflict and... um, and, Jordan, as we talk about the leader really kind of looking at the structures and how things are set up or the conflict itself, the uh, technique that comes to mind that uh, Conflict Dynamics Profile talks about is the reflective thinking. You know, just do I just yes. need to reflect? Sometimes I just need to step back and reflect on it all uh, before driving to action to really establish an opportunity to be successful. And then creating, as you've talked about, both of you in different ways, a process to help guide that pro- that um, that conflict. And asking for help, Charlotte, I think you brought up a good point. As you know, Jordan is one of those professionals that's out there, and um, and many others that others can really leverage that understand conflict, and that can really be helpful in supporting a manager to address it now before it continues to erode and create destruction on a team. So I might have the time and I may have the ability. Sometimes I have the ability as manager, but I don't have the time. But resolve it. And if I need to get assistance in doing so, be willing to um, get that assistance to help make it happen. Any um, final thoughts from either of you? I have a brief final thought. And okay. That, is that 
to remind listeners that conflict is inevitable. Yes. And that with every conflict resolution attempt, there is skills practice which mm. builds forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Love it. And how about yourself, Jordan? A final word. Yeah. First of all, I like what Charlotte just said. I believe that as well. And then the other thought would be in terms of the higher you get in the organization, the less honest people tend to be with you for Mm -hmm. obvious political reasons. Mm -hmm. And so the higher you get in the organization, the more people need outside neutral sounding boards to run things by. So it's even beyond when I need help and I don't know what I'm doing. It's it's really uh, the people at the highest levels in Fortune 500 companies have outside people that they talk to who mm. can be sounding boards, who Absolutely. can challenge them and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So getting that executive coach or getting that thought partner just to know that you have somebody who will be honest with you and help you take that hard look to make sure that you're not the driver of some of the conflicts. Exactly. Of that. So conflict in of itself is not good or bad. I think what we've talked a lot about is how we respond to conflict that's going to make a difference. So with that, Jordan and Charlotte, I'm going to thank you both for being on with us today. Well, thank, thank you, you so for the much, opportunity. Dr. G. Yeah, and thank you so much for all those who are listeners. We're going to um, ask you to join us next week on Wednesday at 2 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time to really discuss and hear more about Leadership Matters. Have a wonderful week. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. G is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.